Daniel, how you doing today, my man? I'm great. Nice to see you, Jacob. Likewise, likewise, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for this one because um, you're probably, I mean, especially with Rootstock and I have your labs, like you guys are OG, OG when it comes to Bitcoin L2s. And that's like the topic. Everyone's talking about it. Satoshi Roundtable, this, this, and that. Like Bitcoin L2 2024, this is this year. Um, so lots to cover about the, the changing landscape of building on Bitcoin and kind of what you're seeing, what you guys are working on. But before we get to all of that, I'd love to just get a little bit more of your background. Uh, you know, what what's your background experience and kind of what was your uh, journey into getting into Bitcoin? Yeah, great. And again, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm British, uh, born in the UK. Um, I've been building technology companies now for uh, nearly 18 years. Um, the thing that really interests me is the intersection between um, emerging technology and emerging markets and how breakthrough technology innovation can provide opportunities for civilizational advancement. Prior to what I'm working on now, I spent five years in the defense technology sector, um, spent some time in creative and design technology before um, building out a couple of companies in the hardware and internet of things space. My journey with Bitcoin starts in 2000 and like sort of 2012, but really like when I think back, the kind of chapter was 2013, when a very dear friend of mine, I went to a conference with him and everyone was going crazy about Bitcoin. And he was like, look, you need to, you need to pay attention to this. Um, I learned a lot from him during that, uh, during that kind of March, 2013, but I was on a quite a different track at the time. I wish I'd taken his advice to uh, start stockpiling uh, Bitcoin. Um, but, um, you know, at that point, it was the core technology was there, but it was more about what's possible and very little had been built out. I think uh, 2015, 2016, learned a lot more through, you know, some a couple of people I was very pleased to have met in the in the UK ecosystem who were building out blockchain.com uh, and also like a, a kind of a friend of mine, Jesse, who was, um, who was involved in some of the very early work on Ethereum, launching one of the first smart contracts on Ethereum. And... Um, and, but I really got serious sort of about 2016, 2017. Um, you know, I was building out a renewable energy company, bringing power and internet access to um, remote communities in um, in, East, in Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. And we were, when providing this internet and power, we were constantly trying to figure out a way that people could pay for that service. So I kind of reversed into the kind of remote payments problem and um, how people make digital payments in parts of the world where digital infrastructure isn't so good. And, you know, that was uh, an exposure to the international remittance market, to the kind of mobile wallet market in India. And um, at that point, there was a lot of kind of really interesting stuff happening with digital money and digital payment mechanisms. And that's when I kind of started to think, hey, this could be quite a serious, quite interesting uh, area to spend more time working in. Um, And yeah, through a kind of like... uh, I don't know, like, um, uh, I guess a, an act of fate. Um, I met Diego and the founders of IV Labs in 2020. And, um, you know, they had launched the Rootstock blockchain back in 2018. And, um, you know, the Riff um, launched in 2019. And they wanted some help building out IV Labs and building out the Rootstock ecosystem. So got involved and, um, and, and took over leadership of IV Labs uh, last year. And that's kind of, that's the journey. Very cool. Okay, there's a lot we can unpack there, but one one I want to uh, double click on, and this is like a, a thread for OG Bitcoiners. 2013 was a 
pivotal year in Bitcoin for a lot of OGs. It seems like Hacker News was, you know, talking about Bitcoin. Um, Namecoin was a thing. Mt. Gox was kind of coming in the picture, it seems like. Um, or maybe, I think that's when it died, I can't remember. So a lot of people were minted in that kind of like vintage. And you said something about, back then it was about what's possible, which today is like, Bitcoin's perfect. Let's ossify now, this kind of thing. And so we're trying to, to bring that culture back. Um, I'm just curious about that. Like compared to back then to now, like, does it feel, if you had to put a pulse on it, like how close are we to how fervent innovative culture was back then of like, what could we do with Bitcoin versus how people are addressing it now and this kind of tension between like the builders and the maxis, if you will. Yeah, that is a, that's a really interesting question. Um, let me come at this from a strange angle. I mean, everyone right now is quite excited about the potential of the Apple Vision Pro, right? And I think one of the reasons it is so exciting is it's a completely new platform. Uh, it's fertile ground for innovation. There is almost nothing that's been built out there. Um, the potential use cases are, I mean, you can see, you can imagine them, but you can't really, you can only imagine maybe one or 2% the actual long tail potential, we're not really going to be able to start seeing. I mean, we probably will see some this year, next year, but it's going to take three to five years until we can really see what this 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 platform can do. And that's kind of similar to how um, blockchain technology was in 2013. The potential was there, the platform was up and running, but the use cases really hadn't been built out yet. So again, it was about what's possible, lots of discussion about what could be built, but our understanding around what can be built had not been defined yet because no one had done it. 10 years, 11 years on, we're in a very different phase where our mental models of what can be built on blockchains is kind of quite fixed. Um, you know, they tend to fall into categories of, you know, broadly DeFi, broadly private blockchains, CBDCs, NFTs, gaming, social. And even within each of those categories, you have a series of sort of subcategories or understandings of how blockchain technology could be used but you know that you can't meaningfully say things like it's so early there's so much to build without really understanding that a lot of we really haven't found the deep deep civilization scale use cases yet and we haven't even started building them out so i think you know and this is a challenge for anyone building on bitcoin or building on blockchains in general which is to have the bravery and the honesty and the kind of childlike mind every day to think about, okay, what is not working in the world and what could we build out on blockchain technology? Where is there something unique here that we could build that's going to change people's lives for the better? Um, and that's the challenge. So I th that's the way I look at it. It's like evolution like of platforms and use cases and how once you have a series of use cases up and running, it starts to limit your ability to imagine what could be possible. Whereas in that early stage, you know, you can be optimistic and childlike without being limited by what you already see out there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's super interesting. And there's a timing element there too, where you need like a certain amount of infrastructure built and then you build the right thing at the right time so that everything kind of coalesces. And it kind of reminds me, you're talking about you worked in the energy space and like gridless compute solved like a lot of the things that would have been perfect for you back then but it just wasn't quite there you know being able to connect you know very remote hydro dams and i'm not even sure how they get like the type of the network they have away um 
you couldn't do that back then. Like it was too early. You, you, you're bumping against too many headaches to try and solve things. You need other people to kind of build on iteratively. Um, yeah, to give you an idea, most of the architecture and the product I worked in my previous business was um, was around communication and data sent via SMS mm. to make sure that we had total coverage in the worst cell sites imaginable. Um, and it was cheap and scalable and international. Um, but anyway, yeah. Very interesting. Um, okay, man. A bunch of questions, but I'm just going to take a hard left turn so we can get into uh, more specific topics. Yeah, let's just start broadly with breakdown for us. What is IRB Labs? You have a connection to Rootstock. Um, but yeah, I, I see the name. I actually don't know a lot about what you guys do. So I'd love to hear more. Okay, so um, IRB Labs is the company that contains many of the original contributors that built the Rootstock blockchain. IV Labs as a company is, you would broadly recognize it as similar to many of the other foundations or labs that are building out many of the other open source ecosystems um, built off the back of blockchains. There's a lot of similarities between what we do at IV Labs and what Solana Labs or Polygon Labs or, or, or the Stacks Foundation does. Um, so, you know, broadly, uh, we provide breakthrough research and innovation. Um, we uh, are part of the team contributing to the core blockchain um we do a lot of developer advocacy uh, documentation we provide grants for new people building on the network uh, we try in collaboration with other contributors in the community to get what we call strategic integrations so large um ecosystem features if you will to go live on rootstock um we support developers and we support partners that build on the network um but our purpose is essentially to make economic freedom an everyday reality and we we do that through our work in helping people people build on bitcoin and growing the reach the rootstock ecosystem and in spreading the advantages of decentralization across the world um so yeah we're we're kind of there's part of what we do which is ecosystem growth and we are part of the human organization that's a lot more decentralized than just our company that is responsible for, for, for doing some of the core development on the rootstock blockchain. Um, so yeah, it's quite a lot. We're about, we're about 140 people, uh, around the world. Um, we're remote, we're distributed, uh, I think in over 30 something countries. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, the IOV is a rule over the world. Very cool. Very cool. Which naturally does into rootstock which has been, um, you know, I, I started in Stacks and then quickly I, I branched out to just the entire ecosystem. I'm, I'm agnostic. I want to use my BTC in the best place possible. Um, ideally, if I don't have to use a token or if it's extracted away, perfect, but I'm not opposed to it. You know, big, big capital B, capital T, big tent Bitcoin. I'm, I'm, I don't care. Um, and so one thing that's been interesting to me is that Rootstock is... It has a very strong claim to security with merge mining. Um, the peg seems to work pretty, pretty darn well, although BitVM could be a, a big upgrade to that. Um, it's EVM. So like you should be seeing a ton of ETH people come if they believe in the Bitcoin thesis. And you get to use all that infra for the most part that's really solid on, on Solidity. And yet, 
besides like three or four applications, there's not a whole lot on Rootstock. And it's it's always kind of like befuddled me. Like, why why is that a thing? And two, like, it's why I'm kind of cautious and optimistic about the Bitcoin L2 thesis when it comes to EVM chains. Because I just, I'm, I'm scared if it becomes another Rootstock. We've built amazing tech. And for some reason, devs and users don't come except for say like Sovereign where it's like you have one fantastic app or two fantastic apps. So I'm just curious, like, from your view, since you're in it so much, like, what's what's going on there? What's missing? That's like stop. Well, I would I would say you've not been paying attention. It. I'd say you've not been paying attention. Things have been changing quite rapidly over the last six months. I think you know the way to think about this because obviously we do is to think about what Rootstock is. You know, as the first Bitcoin sidechain, we were the first. Rootstock was the first network to combine the security and store of value of Bitcoin with the programmability and composability of Ethereum. Now, when you combine the two, you simultaneously have the best of both, but equally within the kind of, uh, what would you call it? Within the kind of ecosystem cultures of both networks, you're not pure enough, right? Because a lot of why people build on blockchains is around social religious motivations right their connection to the ethos of that ecosystem so i think it's helpful sometimes to think about we weren't bitcoin enough for the bitcoiners and we weren't ethereum enough for the eth devs right yeah the this is historically this is like during 2020 2021 when there was a huge amount of development happening on on ethereum you know so, so that's kind of like the perspective we sometimes see but What's super exciting for us at Ivy Labs is that really, really has changed in the last six months, and we're seeing that accelerating. So why is that happening? You mentioned at the top the you know the 2024 Bitcoin DeFi summer, which is coming, um, has meant that Ordinals, BitVM, the great stuff that's happening on the Lightning Network and the amount of developer activity there, the amazing work that the Stacks ecosystem is doing in building out um, the potential to build on Bitcoin. And the relentless work that we've been doing at IV Labs to just keep people engaged in defining Bitcoin and help them understand that there is obviously one, but there is obviously one place where um, where you should inevitably go if you want to build out, build defining Bitcoin. But if you think about that, it's kind of a you know one someone I work with uh, often says like gradually then suddenly right there is this moment where things tip, and certainly over the last six months we've seen quite significant growth in the network. So I mean. I had a look earlier just to give a snapshot because this moves a lot. $170 million um, locked in DeFi alone. So that's not the chain TVL. That's not the token market cap. That's just DeFi applications. 2,763 Bitcoin locked in the two-way peg. Again, just Bitcoin. That doesn't take into account all the stable coins and the natively launched tokens on the network. So this is a phenomenal amount of TVL. This puts us in the sort of top 25, depending on how you rank it, top 25 chains out there. And we've seen, I mean, I think quarter on quarter, we've seen like 90% growth in new addresses. We had all-time highs in transaction volume, all-time highs over six years uh, for the number of transactions on the network in one day. Now, obviously we see this because we look at it because it's our role to grow uh, the Rootstock ecosystem. But our view is that people are just not paying attention. And it's only in the last... I'd probably say in the last like three to six months that the potential for building on Bitcoin and all the different ways you can do it has really gained wider attention within the crypto ecosystem. 
um, which is why, you know, we really see this momentum now. Um, the number of, I mean, to give you an idea, I mean, I think we grew the number of protocols launching on rootstock by like 25% in two or three months. It, 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 the, the, the growth is enormous. Um, and again, some of that is our own work. Some of that is the work of the wider Bitcoin layer two space and the interest there. Some of that is the wider crypto ecosystem. Um, there's other reasons as well, right? We saw in 2023, you know, we saw macroeconomic conditions that meant that there was generally speaking a flight to quality. And within crypto, that means a flight to Bitcoin. And when there's a flight to Bitcoin, you know, rootstock remains robust. So you've seen um, projects that have been built on more speculative pre-mined tokens collapse in value and therefore be less likely to be able to sustain their development teams and, and continue to build out their ecosystem. Whereas in Rootstock and for the work we're doing at IV Labs and the many protocols in the Rootstock ecosystem, they've seen their treasure in TVL grow. So we, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's counter-cyclical because I think that's uh, a simplification of what's going on here. But we have definitely seen a big shift um, starting, in, starting in, in the summer of 2023 and it's just accelerating now. Um, and yeah, look, the reality is as well, takes time to build out these ecosystems, right? If you're lucky to find network flywheel effects early, like great, good for you. You managed to catch a moment. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, there are other, you know, like you look at Polygon, you know, they went through a, a big shift. Um, look at Solana, huge expectations, then collapse and then build back again. So yeah, this is one of the things that I love about the blockchain ecosystem. There's, it's, uh, it's a wild race. Um, yeah. Uh, but what I can say for sure is um, everything on Rootstock is growing. IOV Labs, the amount of capital and support that we're bringing to grow the re ecosystem is only getting bigger, not smaller. Um, we've got a war chest to survive many storms, let alone the um, the, the down markets we've seen in re recent years. We're not going anywhere. Um, we're just getting started. I love it. Yeah, and I, and I will say like yesterday I posted a, um, I try and do these like yearly breakdowns of like the state of Bitcoin DeFi. And it gets contentious. Like whenever I posted, like you forgot this, you forgot that, because it's an it's an abstract L two and the TVL. It's it's just tricky. Like, do you include altcoins? It gets complex really fast. Um, so my typical definition is like I want to see some connection to Bitcoin, whether it's merge mining or like hashes or uh, HTLCs. Like that's kind of my bar. Um, and so yesterday I posted that I ran the numbers, and yeah, out of the five sovereigns, number one. Money on chain is number three. So they're two of the five biggest. And then the next three are uh, Alex at Stacks. There's a couple others. Um, so I think that's interesting. And I want to keep watching that and see how it progresses. Also, just to double click, when you said, um, you know, you're not, you're too crypto for Bitcoiners and not Bitcoin enough for the, like, the crypto side. Like for my podcast, that's kind of how I've always felt. Like I'm not maxi enough for the Bitcoiners and it's like not interesting enough for the crypto bankless folks. I'm kind of in this, in this space, which now is, is fine. Like everything, everyone's interested in it. Um, yeah. I mean, one, and then, one brief comment, one brief comment I make there. One of the things that I like, we like about the Bitcoin builder narrative is there's very pragmatic, hands-on. It's about building out solutions. It's innovative. It's collaborative. This isn't about sort of um, doctrine and technological determinism it's about innovation 
and it puts the emphasis on those that are actually building out the tools and less those who are speculating on the long-term potential which i think you know is more real and um is more grounded in the reality of any kind of innovative technology journey like it takes hundreds thousands millions of people to build out these ecosystems of technology it's not um yeah, I think the share of voice of those sitting on the sidelines and 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 hoarding uh, Bitcoin and and watching and waiting is um is is uh is is too great. I think um, I'm more interested to hear about people who are actually trying to take this incredible technology and and build out civilization changing products. Totally, which is why Ordinals was so great because it gave everyone an umbrella to kind of like rally behind of like yeah we we're op- we're open to new stuff you know. Let's we're 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 gonna rally under this umbrella, which is which is fantastic. Um, I want to double click on a couple of things. One is it seems like so bridging has been a huge issue. You know how do you get Bitcoin into these chains safely and back out? BitVM seems like a you know huge, uh, big improvement over what's currently existed. Um, and it seems like if you get it good enough, you could pretty much peg into any chain. Like in a year, I think we're just gonna use one or two pretty trust-minimized bridges, and we're just going to float from place to place and point your Bitcoin. Which brings the next question of, like, something we don't think enough about is consensus mechanisms. Like, is it merge mining? Is it proof of stake? Is it ZK? Is it what Stacks uses? And so I think there's going to be this contention point of where you build, you should probably think about consensus. Um, And so I'm curious about that topic because, like, I know a little bit about ZK rollups, but not really... And like you need to opt code to make it super trustless. Um, proof of stake people understand lockup capital, and then merge mining, which for you guys is like you're actually convincing Bitcoin miners to also mine this chain, and you have like roughly half the network I think currently. Um, yeah, just wax, will, wax a little bit, uh, wax a little bit on that would be great. Yeah, so uh, net hash rate at the moment is 290 exahashes, and I think uh, let me see if I can find the uh, merge mining stats. Yeah, about 40, so 47.9% of all Bitcoin blockchain hash rate is also merge mining rootstock today. Yep, and I've been um, watching that for a while. That's been holding pretty steady, which is good to see. Yeah, it's been, it's 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 sat at a, between about 50 and 60% for the last two, three years. Um, so yeah, look, you touched on a number of different things there. So let me see if I can, um, if I can unpack them. Um, when rootstock launched we had a federated bridge model um we phased that out about three years ago um and we've been using what we call um these proof of work hardware security modules fully attested all of the um pow hsm um members all of their information and their attested keys is publicly available and you can go and see it on rootstock.io so the claim that people don't know who these people are is false. You can go and find out exactly who they are. Um, we're doing some work at the moment. It's all public to expand the proof of work HSM modules to allow, I think, up to about 60, I think at the top cap, it's somewhere around 60 POW HSM signatories, um, which is a lot. And then, and there's some really, I mean, for those who want to get deeper into this, there's some really great stuff that was posted, uh, has been posted over the last couple of years by Sergio Lerner, our chief scientist and one of the, one of the creators of Rootstock around the defense in depth and the model that we use around two-way peg. So um, 
a lot of false claims out there, a lot of bullshit. Um, very, very happy to kind of, um, you know, share a lot of information about that. But essentially, the, the two-way peg is stud for over six years. Um, however, 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 we're not um, we're not going to be complacent. We have been looking into BitVM now for some time, and the team at IV Labs and a couple of contributors outside of the company are super excited about the potential for this technology being used as a radically different architecture for providing a bridge to Bitcoin. There are trade-offs, there always are, but we are throwing a lot of time and resources behind looking into this. And we're going to be talking publicly a lot more about this in the coming weeks and months. Um, so yeah, make no mistake, we're in this uh, BitVM race as well. There's some super exciting stuff here. I think the challenge, right, for new projects is that you are, you know, we've been working with, Bitcoin bridging mechanisms now for, I mean, over eight years. So we have a huge amount of experience in this. Arguably, we have the biggest depth in terms of team skills and experience of any um, Bitcoin layer two uh, foundation. And um, yeah, we've got some, we've developed some pretty strong conviction on how this can be used to support rootstock. So more information on that coming soon. Um, as to the consensus mechanism, I think that was the other, that was the kind of general thrust of the question. You know, what's exciting about merge mining and, you know, full depth on exactly how merge mining works. This was, we've spent many years kind of explaining this. I think we were the first, um, we were the first Bitcoin sidechain. Obviously we were probably, I think we were probably the first people to go, team to go public with a merge mining mechanism, even though conceptually it had been kind of talked about and proposed before. What Rootstock has and why we believe that there are other merge mining protocols out there, but Rootstock is by far the best, is we have over six years of experience and relationships um, where the Bitcoin miners have been working with Rootstock for a long time. They know it. They've been receiving rewards from it. Um, there's a deep connection between the Bitcoin miners that merge mine and the Rootstock ecosystem. We That consensus mechanism means that not only do the you know nearly the majority of Bitcoin miners today mine rootstock blocks, but um, they're economically aligned. We're not competing with them. We're not removing value from them. We're actually rewarding them in Bitcoin for merge mining rootstock. And I think that that economic alignment is really important. Um, and I think something that you kind of you skimmed over, but it's really important to emphasize: there is no competing money token in rootstock. You don't need to hold. Um, a governance token or a gas token to essentially purchase compute on Rootstock. You just need Bitcoin. Um, bring Bitcoin in for the two-way peg and then you can use your Bitcoin to do anything on the network. There's nothing holding you back. So I think it's that, you know, that idea that there isn't a competing money token. Um, we are incentivizing Bitcoin miners. We are rewarding Bitcoin miners. We work synergistically with Bitcoin. It's that tight alignment to the teams and the businesses that are involved in keeping Bitcoin running that makes Rootstock's alignment so strong. It isn't just about the asset, it's about the compute power and the relationship with the teams that are making sure that compute power um, stays stays on. So, yeah. That makes sense. Um, very cool. I want to ask you a question about developers in a sec, but just a quick double click on, on this merge mining thing, because um, everyone's heard about it, everyone's heard about Rootstock, but they haven't really gone deep. It's kind of like when I finally 
bridged over and used Sovereign. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I've, I could say I've used Rootstock and Sovereign. Um, when it comes to merge mining, the the miners don't have to really add any more, any too much more overhead on hashing. They just run a Rootstock node and then piggyback on the hashing and the blocks they find. Is, is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, the simplified solution is that the simplified explanation is this, is the template that the um, the mining pool sends out to the miners um, for rootstock merge mining has a one or zero different in the header, which indicates that when the Bitcoin miners are mining Bitcoin, that we are also able to reference the fact that they're also merge mining with rootstock. That's the kind of simplified version of what's going on there in the background. It's um, there are kind of different descriptions to this, but it's um, we are um, like a we're like two parallel organisms that support each other but one of them is obviously way bigger um mm-hmm. the support we provide um through incentives and the economic uh, benefits of merge mining um are tiny compared to the benefits of mining bitcoin but there is a there is a there is a link between the merge mined bitcoin miners and 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 rootstock and that link exists okay perfect um so yeah, question about developers, because I'm I, I have a personal hobby of trying to attract as many developers as possible to Bitcoin. Maybe, maybe just a final, like, just final comment on merge money. If you wanna if you wanna please. know what the audience wants to know more about this, there's a we have a whole page on uh, on the rootstock.io website explaining how merge mining works. We have the monthly mining report that comes out uh, every month, started a couple of months ago, explaining the you know the depth and the scale of the of the merge mining that's happening across the Bitcoin ecosystem. Any Bitcoin miner can sign up. Um, you don't need to talk to anybody at IV Labs. All of the documentation, everything you do is out there. You just um, you can basically get up and running on your own, or equally you can talk to the team at IV Labs, and we can we can coach you through how it works. So, um, and then obviously there's a, a depth of information on on GitHub and on our Dev portal as well as to not just how it works, but how people can get involved. Cool, and I'll drop some of that uh, links in the description because yeah, I think there's a very strong consensus mechanism. It's just been kind of like sitting on the side that should probably be brought back to the light because of how robust it is. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, on the, on the question of developers, um, you know, Web2 developers are still like a huge market. We need more Bitcoin, Web3 people coming in and like making more use cases for crypto. And so I'm in this question, I'm assuming they bought into the Bitcoin thesis. They want to build somewhere on Bitcoin. And quickly get in this question of like, do you, do you learn Bitcoin script? And maybe like Taproot is a good focus right now. Um, or do you learn Solidity? Do you can go to any of these EVM chains? Or do you learn Clarity? And it's a big question, especially if you're new, because the what, what, the one you choose now will over-index if you choose the right ecosystem. You can always, you know, once you learn how to program, it's easier to pick up languages. But that first, you know, year or so is really difficult because you're getting you're changing your mental models of how you think. Um, so I'm just curious from your perspective, like. If you're a new Bitcoiner, you're bought in, and you want to start at zero or one and get to somewhere productive in, say, six months to a year, um, where would you place them currently? Is EVM a good bet, Solidity, or Bitcoin Script? What, what's your stance on this? I'm curious. Yeah, I'd lo- I mean, so obviously we have an opinion on this, but I'd look at this from a, a position of, um, it's a little bit like learning a new language, right? When you think, if you think sort of rationally about learning a new human language, you want to think about how many people in the world speak that language? How much utility it has? What's the depth of human connection you can get from learning that new language? A lot of people learn English because it's the global lingua franca, it's the language of business. 
but equally, you know, huge reasons why you'd speak Spanish because of so how many people speak it, especially in North America and Latin America. But the same argument goes for Mandarin uh, as well as as well as Hindi, right? Um, and I think that I look at the programming language question in a similar way. The benefit of learning Solidity is that it's the language of Ethereum virtual machines. So it has more longevity. There are more teams writing and building in it. So that's kind of one element to it. The other element is I think in crypto, you want to make sure that you're not siloed or stuck in a particular ecosystem. Ecosystems kind of wax and wane, they kind of grow and they collapse. And I think if you're learning, you know, the only kind of the kind of reality here is that Ethereum, the Ethereum virtual machine model and Solidity, this is the dominant programming language. This is the dominant mechanism for building out smart contracts. So, um, so of course, I think Solidity. Not only that, it means you can pull projects from Ethereum over. You're going to have a high collaboration. You're going to be, it's going to be easier to build, um, to uh, grow your team of developers because more developers would write uh, Solidity than they would say Clarity. So it's it's, yeah, it's about, you know, there are so many considerations when when they come into network choice, and that whenever you're whenever you when you're building a business or you're building a team, there are like 101 problems you have to worry about, and I think there's some decisions where it's best to kind of go for the safe bet. Hence, solidity makes the most sense, right? It's kind of, you know, you're de-risking hiring problems down the line, you're de-risking kind of liquidity collapses in the network you're building in, etc., and then. There's a different angle, which is if you think about omni-chain protocols, you know, something which you know, the Layer Zero team have been speaking quite actively about at the moment, and like multi-chain protocol strategies where you're taking the benefits from different blockchains and combining them into an offer to your user that has the best of both. That's where we see Rootstock really becoming quite powerful. You know, the best place to basically hold, store, and use the Bitcoin um, but potentially while tapping into NFT markets on Ethereum, right? So we haven't seen many of these. I mean, obviously, apart from bridging protocols and, and some of the kind of DEX architectures, there haven't been many of these built yet. But I think in the years to come, we're going to see a lot more omni-chain protocols. And Rootstock is definitely going to be part of that future because, you know, Bitcoin, the asset and the depth of liquidity in Bitcoin is greater than any other asset in crypto. So um, so yeah, that's that, that's what I think about the uh, the question of programming language. That that's really helpful, um, and it makes me think. Because earlier you mentioned something about um, like being pragmatic and finding like good use cases, and I think something I heard yesterday on the Bitcoin Review podcast is like the only real use case that Bitcoin has for sure product market fit is store value, and then quickly we're seeing like maybe DeFi and payments as a sorry. secondary. Yeah, it, and it's like, and I would say that's still like trying to find product market fit. It's not like solid, like 800 billion is mostly locked and then some of it's seeping out. Um, but DeFi and payments seem like the next progression. But your language example is really interesting to me because it makes me think language and location are kind of tied. Like if you learn Spanish and you're in a location, it over-indexes on value or Mandarin or English. Um, and so... I guess there's like a sub question there of like, if you're planning on building on the L1, because whatever, or Lightning, script makes sense. But if you have any thesis on L2s broadly, almost for sure Solidity makes sense. And so once you've picked, once you've picked your bet, that's kind of how you should move. Otherwise you'll be, you know, you're, you have the wrong language, the, the right language, the wrong location or vice versa. 
that's it. That's interesting to me. Cool. Well, uh, man, this has been fantastic. I got a couple, a couple more questions. Um, I'd ask everyone this because, like, especially when you get when people are so deep in the weeds, like, you see other things that other people can't. You have a unique perspective. So, from your view, uh, what are you most excited about right now? Like all the things going on, what Rustock is working on, devs coming to Bitcoin, BitVM rollups. Like, there's a whole bunch of words. Um, what are you most excited about right now? I mean, simply for a long time, it, it kind of felt like Rootstock was the only place to do DeFi and Bitcoin, and that's changed. And the fact that that market is being grown out by lots of different teams is super exciting. I think what's happened with BitVM is very exciting. The amount of capital, the amount of developer time that's starting to focus on that is really exciting. Um, but fundamentally, like I said earlier, like the interest in Rootstock is at an all-time high. We've never had so many teams interested in building on the network. Um, we distributed, I think, 27 grants in the last three or four months. These are all teams either porting projects over or building projects from scratch on Rootstock. Um, you know, that's a, that's a significant growth in the ecosystem. So super excited about that. All that developer energy, you know, what the potential of that is, where that could go. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm... You know, we've been through a couple of strange years as a as a wider blockchain ecosystem, but I really feel super excited about 2024. Um, you know, the price stability that the Bitcoin ETF has generated, the halving coming around the corner and, and what that means for the kind of ongoing maturity of Bitcoin, um, the interest in building on Bitcoin, the break for innovation of a bit VM and what that could bring, experimentation with ordinals, you know, the work that Lightning and Stacks and other layer twos are doing building out the wider Bitcoin layer two ecosystem, people are starting to listen. It's super exciting. No better time to build on Bitcoin than right now. Uh, and that might be a good place to just call it, but is there anything else that I didn't cover? Any, any question I didn't ask that you want to kind of close on? Yeah, I mean, maybe just as a sort of general comment, um, we are, I think, one, I think the largest grant provider in the Bitcoin layer two space. So we've got $2.5 million worth of grants going to teams right now. 27 already issued. We've got another 70 or 80 that we, we want to issue in the in the coming months. We uh, partnered with Outlier Ventures uh, to do their first uh, Bitcoin base camp uh, ever. Um, four seats available there for more mature teams. $100,000 for every participant. Um, so go and check that out. You can get all the information on rootstock.io slash grants. Um, for developers kind of interested in the, or, or just users interested in the, in the wider rootstock community, uh, discord.gg slash rootstock, um, for all that kind of discord fun. Um, we've run uh, a number of meetups recently. Uh, I think we had one in Spain and Nigeria in the last couple of months. There's one going to be one in Portugal at the end of March. And I think there's one happening in Buenos Aires, um, alongside the Bitcoin plus plus conference. And then at the end of March, um, we have the largest rootstock hackathon ever. It's a global hackathon. You can participate from anywhere in the world. Um, so yeah, if people want to get hands-on, that is the best place to do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, there's so much going on. We've got so many different entry points for developers and teams right now and so many incentives. Um, I'm just super excited to be in this ecosystem and very privileged to have a, have a role in growing it out. So yeah, 2024, let's see what the summer brings. Uh, I love it. Yeah, for for the for the devs out there, if you're if you know Sturdy, um, and you want to build on Bitcoin or DeFi, like right now the place to do it is Rootstock hands down. It's not even close. Like 
I watch the space very closely and like everything else that's coming is like six months to a year out. Looks promising. Wallops are great. Um, but if you want to build now, get ahead of the puck, like which is not going to probably the place to be. So man, Daniel, thank you for this. I'll have all the links below for people listening. Um, but yeah, thanks for dropping knowledge on us. It's been fantastic. Amazing. Thanks, Jacob. Love what you're doing. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me. Thank you for listening this far into the episode. If you found it enjoyable, please do like, subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. YouTube does me a huge favor to like and subscribe. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain. Show me some love. I replied to every DM. And if you are a Bitcoin builder that is kind of at the forefront of building new use cases, whether it's L1, Lightning, Stacks, Rootstock, Rollups, Ordinals, BRC20, uh, I want to talk to you. So when I'm not doing this podcast, I am the sourcing partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, where we invest in Bitcoin startups at the earliest stages, give you access to whatever you need, whether it's legal, product, fundraising help, as well as capital. So let me talk to you. You can hit me up again. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain and uh, shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll read everything. Love to talk to you guys. All right. Peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out because I don't think about everything going wrong.